Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Start a new series today, guys. You ready for it? Um, This one's going to be a little bit longer one. So I know like the Devoted series wound up being like six or seven weeks, and I was going to try to wrap this one up in four weeks and then go into Christmas. But the more I think about it, I, I could actually go through this series probably multiple, multiple weeks. But we'll see where the Lord takes us. Um, the series we're starting today is This Is Our God. And we're going to be looking at the names of God in Scripture and, and how it relates to us in our faith walk and in our relationship with God. Um, and names are important. Um, if you've had kids, you know that you wrestle over deciding the name. You want to find the right name. You buy those um, best baby names in 2023 book that's got thousands of names. And names are very specific. Um, names are intentional. We name things for a certain purpose. And so we're going to look at the names of God over the next several weeks. But today really is going to be the most foundational because I want to set a tone with how we are looking at the names of God. What is our reaction? What is our response um, when, we, when we hear some of these names of God? And some of them you may not have ever heard. I remember one of the first times in college when I took a friend to church and they were singing the old school song, Jehovah Jireh. This is our God, right? He is my, like, I remember her freaking out in church thinking, I see some of your heads bobbing, taking you back, right? Like, who are we worshiping? I thought we worshiped, she had never heard the term Jehovah Jireh, and so that kind of freaked her out. But, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at, at some of the names as God introduces himself. But then also, we're going to look at some of the names, how, how people in Scripture relate to him. And so let's go to Genesis chapter 4. Verse 26, Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. And this has always been a, an interesting verse for me because this is where we see kind of the first of something. We don't necessarily see God's name pop up, but we see something beginning to take place. And it says, when Seth grew up, and this is Adam and Eve's third child at this point, when Seth grew up, he had a son and named him Enosh. And at that time, people first began to worship the Lord by name. Other translations say that it is at this time that that people first began to call on the name of the Lord, to call the Lord by name. And so before then, there was was maybe some generalities, some some maybe impersonalness, but at this point, something shifted within mankind that, that we began to worship God by name. And prior to this, Adam and Eve had been in the garden. They sinned. God kicked them out of the garden. Adam and Eve had kids, and Cain and Abel got in a fight, and Cain killed Abel, and then Eve had Seth, and Seth had his son. It says, then they began to worship 
the Lord by name. And in Genesis chapter 17, it's not on scripture, but make the reference in your notes. It's Genesis chapter 17 is the story of this man named Abram who became who? Abraham. And when God makes a covenant promise with him, there's some years that go by, even a little over a decade that go by from the time God first makes the promise to Abraham to when he shows up again and God introduces himself and he says that, that he is El Shaddai, that he is the God Almighty. And so we're getting a little bit better, clearer picture of who God is. Now let's turn to Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, and this is the story of Moses. Moses' parents put him in a basket in the Nile and to save him, and, and then he was raised by the Egyptians, and he killed some Egyptians and then ran away, and while he's living with his wife and his father-in-law, he's watching his father-in-law's sheep, and, and he has an experience with God in the wilderness through a burning bush, and verse 13 says this after he's having the conversation, and God speaks to him through the bush and says, I want you to go and set my people uh, free and Moses asks this, he says, but if I go to the people of Israel and I tell them the God of your ancestors has sent you, they will ask me a question. They're going to want to know what's his name. What's his name? What is the name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, what? I am who I am. Some translations say I will be who I will be. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he has sent you. And he says this, this is my eternal name. This is my forever name, my name to be remembered for all generations. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel Tell them Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. Now, now even in this, so the people first began to call upon the Lord by name. God reveals himself as El Shaddai, God Almighty, to Abraham, and now he's revealing himself to Moses as Yahweh. And he even says, God even says at one point, I did not reveal myself as such even to Abraham. And he's saying, my name is to be remembered for all generations. This is my eternal name. And so when you're looking at names in general, so God is worshiped by name. He is El Shaddai, but I'm even greater than El Shaddai. As I, am, I am the forever one. I am Yahweh. And so when we think about names that we use every day, names do a couple of things. Names identify. They identify a person. They identify a thing. They identify that for us, but the names even go beyond the identifying is that you can identify something and still not have clarity on it, right? And so names, detailed names, personal names also clarify. So names identify and they clarify. And I remember kind of a, an, an illustration for this. I, I served under a pastor one time that was from Ohio, and... We would go out to eat at a Mexican restaurant. I remember the first time, and he was he 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 wanted a I forget like a Dr Pepper or a Sprite, 
And he said, what kind of pops do you have? And I was like, pops? Like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? And he was like, well, it's, it's, it's a soda drink. And I was like, you mean Coke? You want to know what, time, like, what kind of Cokes they have? He's like, no, a Coke is a Coke. I want a pop. And there's different pops. Anybody else had that conversation? Like, Coke is the general thing for all things. And like, we use it with like Band-Aids. Like, Band-Aid is actually a brand, but now anything that you stick on a wound, we call it what? A Band-Aid, right? And so there are general names that identify, but then there are also personal names that clarify. And so when you think of pop, soda, that's a general name, but then you get more personal and clarified. You have Coke, Dr. Pepper, Sprite. And even for me, when I was growing up in high school, I graduated with 84 people, not many people. There were more students at my daughter's high school than there were people in my hometown. That's how small it was. But even in my grade, there were two Stephen Moores. Two Stephen Moores, like in, in the whole town. And so he spelled his name the biblical way. Mine was the rebellious way with a V. He spelled his with a PH. And they sent, when I was applying for colleges my senior year, they sent the wrong transcript for my scholarship application. They sent his transcript instead of my transcript and my grades were way better than his. And so I had to get clarification, whose name are you using to send the transcript? And so his initial was M. So it was Stephen M. Moore. Mine was Stephen L. Moore. I'm not telling you my middle name yet. But when they would call our names out over the intercom, what they would do is they would be like, Stephen L. Moore, come to the office. And that was back in the day when the Tickle Me Elmo was real big. And so my name for a season was Stephen Elmo. Um, it was a tough season in life, but we had to clarify what my name was. And so what I want to do over the next several weeks is, is we understand the general identity of who God is, but I want to get clear on who he is because his names, um, help us do that. And so when we look, just to give you a quick insight, when we look in scripture, we see different spellings of, of, of God's name. And so when we see capital G, little O, little D, um, that is a general name for God. Um, and it, it, it means Elo, Elohim. It means Elohim, the um, uh, God. It's just a general Hebrew name for God. Big G, little O, little D, that's general. And then we see the, the capital L, little O, R, D, that is a general name for Lord. The Hebrew word for that is Adonai. Adonai, and it means sovereign, it means master, it means Lord. If you think about a Lord of an estate, so that's saying God is our Lord. He, he is like owns it all, right? But those are the general names of God. Now when we get to the personal names, this is when you will see from the Hebrew and Greek translations, you will see all capital letters. You will see small capitals, L-O-R-D, or small capitals, G-O-D. These, these is when we're translating from the Hebrew to the English. These are the personal, these are the uh, specific names that God uses. This is Yahweh, this is Jehovah. It means the self-existent ones, always eternal. And so even as you're reading your English translation of the Bible, God's names 
are very specific, but because our English language is so limited, we've translated it in a way that it has the general God, Lord, but also the very personal, specific God and Lord. And so even though we assign great significance to names, so this is significant, right? And, and we have significance to our names. And if we were to have a conversation of, of how you got your name or, or how we chose the name for our children, there is some significance to it, but even more so understanding during um, Middle Eastern biblical times, um, the very existence of a thing was tied up in the name. And that's why you see throughout scripture, when God has an interaction with someone, he changes their name. When he changes, their, because the existence of who they are is no longer tied up in, in what has been, but what will be. And so as we're looking at the names of God, understanding that it is, he is defining who he is, and, and I would maybe put it like this, the names of God are windows through which his nature is seen. The names of God are windows through which his nature is seen. And yes, we can sum up all of who God is in Lord and Yahweh, but really, our finite minds cannot wrap around all the characteristics and the goodness and the nature of who God is. And so as we're going through these over the next few weeks, um, I want us, I want us to, to look at the stories that surround them, to look at the truth that's being shared, and then I want us to do three things. I want us to recognize what these names mean automatically. And then I also want us to, to, how do we respond to these names? How do we respond once we get a clearer picture and a realization of, of who God is? And then what's gonna be the result of it? Like what happens in our lives? What happens in the world when God's name is proclaimed? And so when we look at the recognition, there's three things that above all, when we get a clearer picture of who God is, through his name is, is we understand and we recognize that his name is good. Everyone say good. His, even, even if you can't pronounce it, even if you don't understand it, you don't, you don't have all the, the, the Hebrew tr translations of it, that his name is good. There is in Exodus chapter 33, God's having a conversation with Moses and God's like, the people that you're leading Moses, I can't go with them. They're stiff neck. If I go with them, I'm going to have to kill them. And there's this conversation and, and God says, okay, Moses, I will do what you're asking of me. And then Moses says this, then let me see your glory. And God responds this way. He says, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name Yahweh before you. So God's goodness is tied to his name. And think about that. God could have said, Moses, I'll let you see my goodness. And he puts him in the crevice of the cliff, and he says, I will pass before you and you can see my goodness. But he didn't just say that. He said, I'm gonna pass before you, and I'm also going to say my name as I'm passing before you because goodness is also tied to my name. His name is also great. And it's like, and I don't mean just mean like better than good, okay? Because there's, there's, there's good, great, and better. And I don't mean great as just better than good. I mean his name is great and that there is no other name that supersedes his name. 
There is no other name, and we, we, we know this, there is no other name on, on heaven and earth that someone can be saved. There is no other name that is greater than his. He says this in Psalm 8.1. David says, O Lord, O Lord, your, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. God's name is greater than any name. His, his attributes are higher. And then the last thing is this, as we're looking at all these names, is recognize that it's good, it's great, but his name is also holy. That, that there is a holiness and there is a reverence that comes with it. And we know this in Matthew chapter six when the disciples are asking Jesus, hey, how do you pray? Like, can you teach us how to pray? They didn't ask how to preach. They didn't teach how to heal. They said, teacher, teach us how to pray. And he says this in Matthew six. He says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And someone was like, I always thought that said Howard. Howard be your name. No, it's, 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 it's hallowed be your name. And other translations say this, our Father who art in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And we'll talk about like, how do we keep God's name holy? And so we look at God's names and we say, God, your name is good. The characteristics that's tied to it is good. There's no other name greater in all the earth that's yours. God, we're gonna keep your name holy. And, and um, the children of Israel understood this and, and Jews understand this and take this to the point that they won't even speak his personal name. And that when they write his personal name, they don't even write it all out, that they are very separate in how they do things. And so we recognize it. And let's look at how we're going to respond to these names as we're learning them. Um, we're going to do this. We're going to praise his name. Like, so I want you to come in on Sundays realizing, hey, we're going to learn this characteristic of God. We, we know that his name is good. We know that it's great. We know that his name is holy. And our response in that is we are going to praise his name. Psalm 113 says this, praise the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. So what's the consistent thing there? What? Praise. We're going to praise. We're going to lift up the name of the Lord because it's not just his name, but his goodness, his character, his nature is tied. His very existence is in that name. Blessed be the name of the Lord now and forever. Everywhere from the east to the west, praise the name of the Lord. And so having a bad week, what are we going to do? We're going to come in. We're going to learn that he's Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. We're going to learn that he's Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace. And we're going to lift up and we're going to magnify that aspect of who he is, of who he is, so that we can minimize and remove power from the things that we're worrying and walking through in the week. We're going to do this. We're going to honor his name says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, you must not, we know this, right? It's one of the Ten Commandments. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. It says don't misuse the name of the Lord. The Lord will not let it go unpunished if you misuse his name. And, and entry-level understanding of that scripture is don't curse using the Lord's name, right? Don't say the really bad, like we raised our kids like they couldn't even say, oh my God. Like if they got excited about something or like they were frustrated, we wouldn't even let them say, oh my God, we would make them change the last letter from D to S-H. So it's, oh my gosh. It was like, is it that big of a deal? And in our house, it is. But here's even the greater concept of that is it's not just taking the Lord's name in vain with your mouth, but with your life. 
because as followers of Christ, we don't just carry his righteousness, we don't just carry his forgiveness, guess what we also carry? His name, his name. I was in a fraternity in college, and we had this crazy rule that um, we had letters that you wore. You guys are familiar, like you've seen the shirts. You had, and like it was just like, it was my world. It's like you gotta honor the letters. And so we had this rule that if you were wearing just a plain T-shirt that had your letters on it, you could not drink alcohol anywhere, like, like anywhere. And then we also had like these special shirts. We called them, we called them chapter letters. And they were special just to our chapter. And there was a red T-shirt with purple and gold embroidery letters. And we couldn't drink in those letters ever because we didn't want to dishonor our fraternity name. How much greater is the name of God? How much greater is our Jehovah than any fraternity or organization? And so if a Greek organization can be concerned about how we carry our letters and our name, how much greater should the church be in carrying the name of Christ? And so it's not just in the words that we speak, but we honor his name with how we live, with how we treat people. So we praise, we honor, and one of the benefits we have from understanding God's name and who he is is we're able to call on him using that name. Not that it separates and he's a different God, but we understand that nature of who he is, and so we call on him using that. And Joel says this in chapter 2, verses 32. He says, but everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And for those of us who have kids, we understand like the calling, like we can recognize like sometimes in a crowded room, and I actually um, experienced this last night, in, in, in a crowded room, sometimes a child will be saying, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad. And there's other kids that are saying, hey, dad, hey, dad. But when my daughter says, hey, Stephen, I feel disrespected, but she's getting my attention, right? And so she gets my full attention. And yes, we, we worship God in the fullness of who he is, but when we understand specifically who he is, we have permission to call on that name, to call on him in that area. Um, number four, as we get to know his name, we get to know his character, we get to trust his name. Psalm chapter nine, verse 10, listen, and, and underline this one, please. Those who know your name trust you. Those who know your name trust you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Those who know your name trust you. One of the greatest things that can happen in showing your trust in someone is when you talk about them through word of mouth. When, 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 when you talk about who they are because you know them, because you've had an experience with them, even beyond a Google review. Like, if, I'll just say this. If you've not given Avenue Church a Google review, after church, go give us a Google review. It helps us reach more people. But even beyond that, like, when you're verbally saying, hey, this is my God, this is the relationship, I have trust in his name because he has shown up in this way. And the last is this. The fifth thing is this is we must proclaim his name. We must proclaim his name when we understand. So trusting is for us. Praising is for us. Calling on his name is for us. But when we proclaim his name, that's for others. 
That's for others to experience. That's for others to know his goodness. And it says this in Psalm 105, verses one through two. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him, sing praises, tell everyone what he's done. His name is worth repeating. And they may not understand it looking back in college when we were singing about Jehovah Jireh. She didn't understand it, but it gave us an opportunity to speak about how God is our provider. And so we recognize these three things when we're learning about God's names, that his name is good, it's great, and it's holy. And our response in these things should be first to praise all the way down to proclaim. But then like, what's the result? Like, like Stephen, Why? Questions I ask a lot of times when I'm writing sermon is, is this, is like, so what and now what? Because I've just given you a lot of information and I've given you a lot of like scriptures, but, but what does any of that matter? Like, do I really need to know all the names of God that I can't pronounce and may forget? Because here's, here's why, okay? Here's the result of understanding his name is because the more God, Yahweh, not just general, not just general, but the more God, capital G-O-D, the more Yahweh is known, the more he is trusted. Think about the relationships that you have. The longer you walk with people, the more you know people, the more you trust them, the more that their word becomes trusting for you, trusted for you, because you now know them. And then there's this, the more God, the more Yahweh, the personalness of him is trusted, the more we seek to trust him, the more he sought to be trusted. That's why John said it earlier, like our goal is not to have a great worship set and a great sermon, but our goal as a church, Big C, Little C, Avenue, New, all, our goal is to help you know God more so that you can trust him more. And as you trust him more, guess what you do? You seek to trust him more, which means you're stepping out more in faith because you understand more of who he is. And so we're gonna look at God is our peace, God is our provider, God is our victory, you are the God that sees us because as we understand these things about him and experience that, listen, we, we trust him, but then we also know we can trust him and so we seek opportunities to trust him. And I'm, gonna, I'm gonna end with, with, with a couple of quotes from uh, one from A.W. Tozer and I'm reading this book called Pursuit of God and I've been wanting to read it for a long time but it's one of those old books that it's not written the way that we talk today, right? And so I'm reading like a couple of pages a day, multiple times a day. And, and in it, he, he had this statement. He says, oh God, I have tasted thy goodness. Because nobody says thy anymore, right? I have tasted thy goodness. And it, it has both satisfied and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. And I'm ashamed at my lack of desire. Oh God, I've tasted thy goodness and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. That's what our pursuit of God should do. Like it should pursue these longings that we have on the inside of us, but while also unlocking these other desires that we didn't know we had until we got a little bit of taste of who he is. 
and we realize that we need more of him and we need to understand him more. And the reward of seeking God is more of God, but it's also the reward is the desire to seek him more. It doesn't just end and we're fulfilled. We want more of what we've had. And then John Piper says this, he says, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied. God is most glorified in all the earth. He is greatest proclaimed in all of the earth when we as his followers understand who he is and we are fully satisfied in him and nothing else because he is complete satisfaction. Because we can look to other things to satisfy us, and it's temporary. God's satisfaction is eternal. And here's, here's the thing, all right? We can proclaim his goodness to other people, and they receive satisfaction in him. And when they truly know and understand his character, there's no dissatisfaction there. There might be in the moment, right? because we don't understand what God is doing. But over the long journey of life, there is complete and total satisfaction. And so if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Christ, it could be that you haven't fully experienced his nature and you've been afraid to call on his name. And the apostles tell us in Acts that there is no other name on heaven and earth which we can be saved except Jesus Christ. The salvation is found in him and nothing else. And we'll look at all the names, but it actually culminates all the way into this Jesus and nothing else. That he is the Emmanuel, Lord, God that is with us. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I want to take this opportunity just, just for you to put your trust in that name. Not, not in the name of Avenue Church, not in the name of where you work or the name of your bank or any of these superficial things, but I'll give you a moment to put your trust and to call on the name of Jesus, to surrender your life to his, his believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Messiah, you shall be saved. And if that's you today, just for a moment, you can put your hand up and put it right back down. It doesn't save you, but I wanna know who to be praying for. In these few moments, I wanna know who to be praying for. Awesome. So Father, I just come to you this morning and I thank you for the goodness of your word. God, I thank you for the goodness of just who you are. God, for those that lifted their hands in this room today that they don't know you, they've not called you by name. God, I pray that they know that you know them. God, your word says that you place every star in the heavens and you call them by name. Your word says that not a sparrow falls from the sky that you don't take notice. And how much greater are we to you than those things? And so God, right where they're sitting, I pray that they're calling on the name of Jesus for forgiveness, for salvation, for the life that you've called them to live. And that as we go through this series together, God, and, and seeing um, your nature, your character in all of its fullness to get a full picture of who you are, 
that we would recognize that your name is good, that your name is great, and it is holy. And we would not only praise the name, but we would proclaim it so that those around us would know it. And that through the study of it, we would come to trust you more. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Amen. Thank you.